0: Namaste, welcome to another podcast of Manish Vyas. Today we have a very, very interesting subject because it is related to the musical path of Manish Vyas. But not only in what it is related to learning music. We already know he has been with different uh, music gurus from India in his path of learning. But also a very big portion of his path of uh, doing this music has been his presence in different places with uh, spiritual masters. Around 1986, uh, Manish went from his uh, hometown in Gujarat to Pune, where the ashram of Osho was working at those days. So, this was his very first contact with a place where music was being used by a master with a certain purpose. So, Manish spent in this atmosphere many years, and now he's going to tell us. A little bit about this experience and how these shaped his view of music, uh, the way that he composes and how he's using the music in this genre. Namaste. We were talking that you arrived in the Pune Ashram when you were around 20 years old and were not only you were doing music as a musician and all the things around the music program But as I understand, it was also like a school for you because uh, you played with Osho, in front of Osho, and you were providing music for a man with a lot of wisdom who had a certain view uh, of music, of active meditation, of passive meditation. So we would like to know if you could start uh, telling us a little bit about this path in your life, not the one that is related to the learning with music teachers, but the path that taught you a lot on how to use music for a certain purpose. Uh,
1: Namaste, everyone. Yes, uh, basically sometime around 1986 when I arrived in Pune, uh, I had already studied a few years of tabla, which is the main classical percussion instrument in the Indian music. So when I arrived in Pune, I happened to be a good tabla player who was available within the community of Osho people. So I immediately got absorbed in that scene of music which was happening in the ashram. What has been always amazing with uh, Osho's vision is that he exactly knew the significance and importance of incorporating music in the journey of meditation. So, a lot of people already know that way back in 19, in the early 70s when he introduced his first meditations, he created the music to support the process of meditation. So, around his work, music always had a lot of significance. Live music, which is supporting different meditations including his gatherings where he was coming twice a day to uh, give a discourse and question-answer sessions with people. So music was always the central place in the work of Osho and his vision. So it was amazing to be part of that process and uh, uh, apply uh, whatever skills that we have learned as a musician, but for a completely different purpose. This purpose was not a purpose of entertaining people, but a little bit of a higher purpose where uh, your musical skills and a certain vision of a spiritual master combined will create a beautiful space of celebration, meditation and silence
0: so for example when you were coordinating the music there how did it work you would have a talk with him or you would have a talk with your team or you would be informed what kind of activity or what kind of meditation was happening how was the the actual organization of what you were presenting in these different sessions around osho for music
1: Well, when uh, I got musically involved in those days, uh, Osho was not directly approachable by everybody. But uh, instructions about the music and the changes in the music were sent directly by him through some of his close associates, and we will receive a particular guidance or a message from him that okay he would like this kind of music or he would like this change i remember especially when in the year of 1989 in april he went in silence and for a few months he didn't come out and finally in july of 1989 he started coming out only for 10 minutes a day simply to sit with his people and uh, then he would leave back and we would be listening to one of his talks. So for those 10 minutes when he would come, he had a very specific particular guidance of music and especially in the last days before he left the body, he introduced Indian music in that meditation session. So what was interesting was that you see, like when we are trained in music, we are trained for, for a particular style of music. Um, you know, so it has, a, it has always a certain fixed progression. But around him, you had to let go of those fixed uh, trainings. We had to come up with something which would support his idea, his vision, his clarity. So there we could not always hold on to our classical training. So, you know, this was a time when he would come. First, there would be a very energetic music, people dancing and celebrating, and then he would sit down in his chair. And that's where uh, my work would start, along with an Indian instrumentalist or a, one of the musicians playing an Indian instrument, because he specifically wanted Indian music for those 10 minutes. And it was amazing. There would be there would be five thousand people. Pin drop silence in this Buddha hall, and uh, the instrumentalist and I on tabla had to exactly follow his hand movements while he was building up energy through the music. And at some point, it would be like impossible to follow his hand because his he would be giving such a fast beat. So I had to let go of my classical inhibitions and just follow his uh, guidance and beat and, and it was just amazing that how that was creating this deep silence and suddenly he would stop his hand movement and at that peak we had to stop and it was almost like jumping off the cliff into the valley of silence so in short he had an amazing clarity about the potential of music in the journey of a seeker, that how the right music can deepen the process of meditation.
0: So also this, uh, for you, is it right that it meant also like a bridge uh, from going from your purely classical music training into the use of music in a much, much broader way and with a much big perspective? Did these years in the contact of Osho help you jump from this classical training to having a very, very open mind to a lot of other possibilities?
1: Absolutely. Because when one is learning Indian classical music, for example, so there is always a certain fixed way of learning it and then eventually when you are capable, there is a certain way of presenting it and this is a very ancient tradition so one always follows that format and no doubt that amongst many forms of music indian classical music has the highest and the deepest quality of meditative atmosphere because the origin of indian classical music has been from the sages from the meditators So it has a certain quality of sacredness but of course mainly Indian classical music is always presented as a performance to kind of impress people and people are you know bewildered and amazed at the skills of the musicians or singers but here around Osho the purpose was always very different so It was not about impressing people and showing your skills, but with while you as a performer or a skillful musician remaining absent in the eyes of people, but you support a certain process of meditation or celebration or whatever was required. So the person was never important. But what is being created in that moment with the help of right guidance and the right wisdom was always significant
0: one short question did osho use uh, mantras in any way for his activities in a
1: very 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 subtle way sometimes some sounds like "om or uh, the who from Allahu were used in a very indirect and subtle way in some meditations. Uh, otherwise mainly Osho has been known for his very active meditations and that is also because when he started his teaching work those have been the days when people needed a lot of psyche cleaning so some of the ancient techniques which were prevalent in India hundreds and thousands of years ago, would not be applicable in the current era where where a human being is full of suppressed feelings, anger, emotions, which are somehow not allowed to be expressed in the normal social structure. So in that way, mantras and such subtle techniques were not so prominent around him. There were more active techniques which were Uh, which were uh, introduced to people to first do the cleaning of psyche. You know, it's like if you want to meditate in a room, first you would like to clean the room and then sit down to meditate. So Osho's prime focus was on that cleaning of psyche.
0: Now, moving a little forward in your musical path and in your career and in a way I think your musical path and your spiritual path and your personal path they are all kind of moving always together along your life it would seem like. So moving a little forward in your life uh, once that uh, Osho had left the body, then you had been in contact with one of his enlightened masters for a very long time and still now, uh, Guru Dev. So regarding him and his view of music and his activities, were they in the same line as Osho? And what was his contribution to you in the world of music? Yes, as
1: far as uh, the spiritual dimension is concerned, Gurudev for me is like the continuation of my journey with Osho. This is a very normal Tradition in India that when you are with a certain guru or a master, and suppose suppose the master leaves the body, the master usually leaves a successor. So there is always a lineage. So here though, in Osho's case, he never had a clear successor or something. But to me, people like Gurudev are his clear lineage because somebody who lives by his teaching is a true lineage. And for me, there was no doubt that after one master has left, if my journey is still incomplete, I need to continue that with another master. And somehow this was a blessing that it happened to be from the same tradition. Second thing is that to give you a little bit background about Gurudev, that though he is not a trained musician, but interestingly, he was in contact with Osho from way back in 1969 and then sometimes in the 70s Osho told him to go around in India to do street kirtan what we in Hindi call nagar kirtan so Osho asked him very clearly that you go out in different cities of India just stand in the middle of the city center and start doing energetic kirtan and spread my word so that was his musical journey starting with osha without no formal training in music but indirectly in that way he started discovering the potential of music also especially from a spiritual dimension so when I happened to meet him first time Gurudev I was actually invited to one of his retreat of 10 days as a tabla player to accompany some kirtan singer. So for 10 days I was there. And then from then, there onwards, my connection with Gurudev started. That time I was about 22 years old. And already my training of tabla was continuing with Maestro stadalaraka in Mumbai. And at the same time, my musical experiments in the ashram, though Osho had left, were continuing with musicians from all around the world. So a certain training was happening where you apply your trained skills in a much more different way, much more experimental way, much more creative way so that you go beyond certain boundaries of thinking and perception and creativity. And when I went to Gurudev's first retreat for 10 days he used a lot of different kinds of music, mainly from India but some from the West also, in a very very interesting way. Even something that I had not perceived or seen around Osho. And to me the whole application of this different kind of music was really interesting juicy effective, powerful super meditative creating amazing spaces of high energy as well as silence so it was a complete revelation to me that how this is possible that somebody who has no formal training in music whatsoever knows that, aha, this music works here and this music works here better and this kind of music works perfectly for this celebration or this energy awakening process or this kind of silent meditation. It was a completely mind-boggling thing.
0: Going back to your days in the ashram and while we are still there when you were living in Pune during your 20s, it would seem sometimes that you know, this ashram was being visited also by a lot of uh, Westerners who heard about uh, Osho and his camps and his retreats, and they were going there. And uh, Now when, when we see what many people took from all of that, it looks like uh, a lot was taken as music to party and to have a good time, which is perfect to have a good time, but uh, a lot of people only... Uh, seem to have gotten that out of this music because I have seen a lot of uh, retreats uh, done here by Westerners who came from that formation. But regarding the music, you think they kind of misunderstood (laughs) a little bit uh, the whole point? Not not that the music wouldn't be to be fun, but that ultimately it shouldn't be only that. That's why also a lot of times this music ends up being like only kind of techno music in the name of Osho and it seems almost like a discotheque sometimes.
1: Well, Osho is known to have given this idea of Zorba the Buddha. And uh, he clearly meant, as far as I understand, a fine balance of the East and West. But ultimately what happens is that once the living master is gone, things are understood and applied in life according to one's own understanding and perception or misunderstanding or convenience. Second thing, I think, primarily, even if before the Zorba, the Buddha concept was introduced, you know, in India, generally, music is considered sacred. Music was always presented in temples Early, you know, before the Mughals came the whole music presentation was only happening in temples so an artist is presenting his highly skilled music to the deities in the temple so people are sitting behind the artist so for the artist it is an offering to the deity not that he's trying to impress people and uh, gain name fame and clapping and all that and uh, We all know what has been the approach in the West as far as the music is concerned. So that remains undercurrent with Indian music always. That, you know, ultimately in India, music is considered as a medium to connect the divine. And that is also something I learned specifically with Gurudev because he used to explain me this very, 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 interestingly telling me that you know we have two words in hindi called manoranjan and manobhanjan manoranjan means entertainment and manobhanjan means something which takes you beyond the mind which destroys the mind and takes you beyond it a little bit like that so he used to always tell me that manish there's nothing wrong with music of manoranjan music of entertainment but the actual music's potential is of Manobanjan, which means that the right kind of music can take the listener, the seeker, the meditator beyond those spaces of mind. And amongst many other tools, music can be that most effective and effortless tool for a seeker to progress on his journey. So his focus was always to use and create that kind of music, which which has a purpose, which is not just like, okay, people listen to it and people clap and they drink to it, they dance to it and they go home and forget it. No, no. There's a very, very clear purpose to it. And only that kind of purposeful music is worth listening to or it's worth creating. In that way, while participating in his retreats. On one side, of course, my journey of meditation was continuing, but at the same time, very subtly, a certain training was happening that how to create this music of what he called Manobhanjan, how to create this purposeful music, which has a certain direction, certain clarity, certain wisdom behind it, and which helps anybody to come closest to her or his true nature and also please understand that it's not about i'm not denying the techno music or the dance no everything has its purpose everything has its place even in gurudev's retreats i saw that he sometimes would use in a very very particular place some kind of techno music to really help trigger a certain energy in people uh, energy of awakening energy of celebration a little bit like you know to activate the dull latent energy but then it has to balance by something completely different so in 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 that way you see there is a balance of zorba the buddha but what what mostly in the west happens that they mostly relate with this what they call zorba element and if it is not balanced with the opposite then it it, it is of no use and such balanced understanding can come only from a living master. you see uh, these things cannot be a conceptualized uh, mechanism so and that exactly I have seen in his old retreats So imagine we would have a certain meditation with a very very down to earth techno music but then, After 10 minutes of intent dancing, we would be suggested to sit down and then we are listening to 108 chanting of a certain mantra. So you see, then all that awakened energy is slowly, slowly settling and rising in the right way. But if that was not there, then all the energy would go to the lowest chakra. And then from that, all the functioning will happen. So unless somebody has that clarity of balancing it and redirecting the same energy through the right music, then, then it is creating a balance of what Osho called the Buddha.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's clear that this needs a certain vision, not only filling up an agenda with activities. I remember in one of the talks we had some time ago about the use of mantras, That you were telling about the retreat where you were invited to make a concert or a gathering where you were invited to play music and you did a concert of all kinds of music. But I remember you said you finished with a very powerful mantra and everybody went deep into silence. And then you said that after your concert, because their agenda was something else, they put a DJ <laughs> and uh, you were totally shocked that after a concert that, of such music, of mantra, all of a sudden, and because the agenda is there, they would put like a DJ after that, no? Because after that, there shouldn't be anything, as I understand. No? That would be an example of what you're saying
1: yeah exactly you know to to create that balance because you know in whenever i have a concert in a music festival so i i try to bring all the flavors of music from the starting from very silent gentle mellow then building up the energy taking it really to the peak like you know songs at 140 bpm which is really danceable but then i know exactly from my Journey with ocean guru there. That if you leave people there, and and if you put the end there, then the energy is too much outgoing. No energy has to be brought back within, and that's why I usually end it, I end the concert with the Shanti Mantra, a mantra for peace. So again, the all energy is withdrawn, all the leakage is withdrawn and brought back. So once the energy is brought back, it is like you know you are. You are throbbing with this without, you know, leaking the energy and losing it. So after that, one should be capable of holding that space of silence within. Again, if the mind needs uh, techno music to celebrate, then all all the hard work that we do through such a concert is wasted. So everything is at its place, but and this is something. My biggest training with Osho was that he used to always tell us that if your music cannot create silence, then it is not music. It is simply organized noise. He used to tell us, look at my five fingers. Every finger begins and ends, but the gaps between the fingers begins but doesn't end. And he said your music should be like those gaps. If it does not create those gaps, then it's of no use. So for me the ultimate purpose of music is to create that silence because you see silence is always there but we we miss it so sometimes a certain kind of music can enhance that silence and helps people to connect with that space of silence <laughs>